to the Caspian Podcast, the podcast with the Caspian Post, with me, Mark Elliott. This is the Caspian Podcast with me, Mark Elliott, and I'm back with Gela Bejrashvili. It was so exciting the first time, we just couldn't stop. So we thought, well, let's just continue. Now, Gela, you were just telling me um, in the last podcast when we met about the, the wonderful idea that, that you had about a dreamy future where Azerbaijan, Armenia and Georgia might one day come together and hopefully form a sort of a little mini Benelux, a sort of a customs union and so forth. But after the end of the podcast, you started telling me that actually that idea had already been floated several years ago. So can I take it back and tell me, tell us that story? Because that's a very exciting um, thing that I hadn't heard about. Yes, Mark. I mean, the, the, the whole idea, um, and it's not a theoretical thing. I mean, we've been talking about with our colleagues on the highest level in, in Yerevan and in Baku. Uh, and and uh, the, the, the president and I, we were very serious about it. Uh, our point was that uh, in this uh, globalization economy, you cannot compete with, uh, with your small resources because we all are a relatively small uh, economic size is small. So we need to combine the efforts. We need to combine our strengths and we need to create a one market, one economy, a regional economy that will be a competitive on a global market. So you have a fantastic examples of such unions. You have a you know European, not only European Union, that is a that is a smaller Western European Union within the European Union. You have a Benelux, you have a Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg creating uh, three successful small relative economies, but uh, very competitive when they are, are put together. Uh, so it's not a theoretical. Uh, yes, it is. It sounds like uh, very uh, naive, but uh, I think it's very doable. I mean, why you need the now in 21st century when you can't control your borders mm -hmm. uh, with electronic surveillance, you don't need borders, at least economic borders. You, you need the less tariffs, you need, the less, you need to abolish the tariffs and uh, some duties in order to strengthen small and medium-sized enterprises of your countries. Three of us will be much more stronger than individual, individual ones. There is a corridor of not only goods and services from, uh, from Asia to Europe, but also uh, you know, uh, the oil and gas from Caspia goes through this territory and all the things, things together needs to be put in one context of one regional uh, economic block or union uh, that will make the life of every single individual and citizen of Armenia, Georgia, Azerbaijan, richer, more prosperous. Mm. Uh, so this, this is not the, uh, not, um, not the theory. Uh, it can be done, especially now when these uh, very serious geopolitical changes have happened uh, very recently. I think there is a chance and there is an avenue uh, for us to explore this uh, opportunity. And just in case people are watching this much later, uh, the, what we're talking about presumably is that um, just at the end of 2020, Azerbaijan has reclaimed the, the lands that it lost in, in the wars of the early 1990s. Um, so that gives a chance, I guess, um, to go back to a sort of status quo. Obviously, one of the troubles with any kind of 
all kind of war is bad, but it, in a sense, it brings perhaps a, a stability that at least goes back to the um, state of international law in which that those lands were always technically um, perceived uh, to be uh, under the control of Azerbaijan. Um, do you think from, I mean, you're, you having dealt, okay, it's a decade ago, but you, you, you have very strong relations with both countries. Uh, do you think that Armenia in a strange way may actually come out having done better for losing it, obviously it's terrible shock in the short term but for to to have the status quo where they're no longer an occupying force that that may actually long term be beneficial for armenia look um uh you need to see the uh developments any developments in perspective if you are if you will be a prisoners of your uh beliefs or your uh, you know previous uh, story uh, then uh, your way forward will be much more difficult than in assessing a current moment in a perspective so the perspective is here perspective is here for armenia perspective is here for azerbaijan and perspective is here for georgia not only for us but also for the larger region uh, with all our dif- differences with all the geopolitical differences in the region. When we talk about the region, Mark, you know, if you name the countries, you will see, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a bunch of a problem, you know. You have in the neighborhood, you have Iran, you have a Syria, you have a, a Russia, you have a Turkey. I mean, uh, in every of these big players are now um, uh, looking for an uh, opportunity in this big uh, geopolitical uh, picture. So uh, when you and, and when we look at us, uh, the small countries that are still struggling for our independence and uh, and uh, especially during this pandemic, when the economies in mm-hmm. all three countries, I'm not talking about the world, world economy, you know, small countries, so they, all three economies are in a bad shape. So you need to put it in the perspective and say what we can do together, actually, opening the borders, opening the avenues, opening the transportation corridors will just make us stronger. We just make her more competitive. Maybe we can together overcome some of the difficulties that were unimaginable um, um, some time ago. So my uh, my take is that we need to assess the current moment from the perspective mm-hmm. and look look at it uh, in a perspective. Now, I, I mean, maybe this is a, a difficult question to ask you, but and, and I realize you you finished as Minister of Foreign Affairs of Georgia just before the the war in, in two thousand and eight, uh, where where essentially lands which had um, become somewhat distant from Georgia then were essentially definitively conquered. Perhaps I'm not sure if that's the legal term, but but by Russia. Um, and again, that must have been an, a terribly painful thing f- for a government to suffer. But on the other hand, and, and obviously this is an awful thing for the people who's, who've lost their homes and have been become um, uh, refugees or IDPs. But again, perhaps we can see a silver lining in that, that in a sense, by stabilising a, a most unpleasant but real, uh, certain uh, status quo, possibly gave Georgia more chance to say, okay, well, we've got what we've got. Let's drive ahead. Am I imagining that? Or is this, is that how, I suppose, what else could you do? 
Yeah, well, uh, this is this is uh, um, this is uh, I think a very natural and the right reflection. Um, actually, I I I quit my post as a foreign minister, but I, I went immediately to the less public uh, position and I was, uh, I was uh, appointed as a chief of Georgian intelligence and during the wow. war I was uh, director of intelligence. So it's less public work, but still very oh. challenging. And, and I'm and, sure there's and lots of questions we can't ask you. <laughs> and, um, and especially in a period when you are in a, in a, in a war with, uh, with Russia, you know, can you imagine this? So, but, uh, you know, um, this is a very, uh, very difficult question and a very difficult time. When I, when I recollect it, I always try to, uh, first of all, ask myself, because, you know, I'm a trained diplomat. You know, my job mm. is to prevent the war. Mm. My job is to make an agreement and not allow uh, militaries to, uh, to, to do their planning in action. So, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm just asking myself and probably my Russian counterparts also should ask themselves what, where we failed, mm-hmm. what we haven't done enough to not to allow this to happen. But that happened. That happened and it changed um, uh, many things in the region. Uh, we don't have a diplomatic relationship with Russia. Uh, the all economic activities are closed almost. Uh, it's an it's a almost deadlock situation uh, for Russia too. Because recognizing these two provinces of Georgia, uh, I don't think that it gives a lot of credit to Russia or puts the Russia in the right perspective in the region. Mm. So somehow all, um, there are no winners here. Mm. There are no winners. Um, uh, the, the, and we need to create a situation and I, I don't have an answer to this question yet, but we need to find a, a situation when we can find uh, uh, appropriate um, uh, appropriate format when everybody gets some win mm. and not losers. So that's that's you need. We need to create this uh, environment. I think slowly this. Uh, it's, it sounds strange, but uh, this pandemic situation in the world it, it changes a lot some people's perceptions about some of their uh, paradigms some of their mm. uh, thoughts they put it in a different perspective so we might come up with something that will be uh, will be a solution and beneficial for all stakeholders in the region so, so let's imagine if if this caucasian union or whatever it is the sort of dream scenario it may be say 10 20 years could you see then abkhazia and south ossetia sort of rejoining it's sort of a bit like happened in northern ireland that things calm down once the eu is there could we see perhaps a way of diplomatically blurring the lines after a little while and hopefully welcoming abkhazia and south ossetia back into the fold no I, actually i see it exactly in that perspective Mm. Uh, uh, but you need to do your work, of course, and hard work, mm. because you need to you need to engage here also um, uh, those who are not very happy with your this idealistic approach. So you need to work with Russia. You need to work with the neighbors. We need to work with others to explain that the gains are much more higher here mm. uh, than uh, than they can even imagine. So you need to engage a lot of people. You need to persuade 
um, uh, a lot of people inside and outside. So some work needs to be done, of course, but it is possible. I see this from this perspective. Um, uh, and uh, I truly believe that the time will come for that. Right. And just just uh, just a silly, but almost jokey thing. But uh, uh, one of the this is slightly related to your your previous uh, time as director of intelligence. Um, but it's a bit of a joke because but I don't know. Is it true or is it not true that the, the regime before yours um, uh, when uh, the, where the actual president had had himself a car with the number plate 007? Do you know, is that is that actually true or is, is that a, just a myth? I uh, actually, I don't remember, but I, I don't remember, but I, I think nothing is wrong with that. You know, my, my car plate is as a 007. Uh, even is it? now so but are you it's serious my personal ones, I oh, how well, no but i mean this was for shepherd nadze who who apparently yeah. had specifically rather than have zero zero one as as president had had zero zero seven i don't know this was a rumor uh, i don't i don't know mark I, I don't really know but you know it's uh it's, it's the okay. kind of fun <laughs> thing that you, isn't it terrible I, t- I take these beautiful geopolitical issues and i turn it to james bond I, i'm i'm so sorry and the, well the james bond james bond is always you know in the geopolitical game uh, always present you know <laughs> <laughs> always and present in danger yes that's so true and let's just finish <laughs> off now you're saying you, you you've since become much more involved in education and there's lots we can say about education but for now we don't have much time for that but just tell me the other the other you also dipped your toe a little into the world of wine and and for anyone that's been to georgia they'll know that wine and passion are are go together in georgia um where where is yeah i mean the wine is wine is our culture it's our identity and uh, that's why we uh some years ago we partnered our um the friends in uh, owning a vineyard in Cajeti in Zinandali, in one of the best uh, places for, for, for wine in, in Cajeti. And our partners are uh, the family of uh, very famous Georgia prima ballerina Nina Ananyashvili, who is uh, uh, director of Georgian Ballet Theatre. And uh, now uh, on our bottles, you have a flying ballerinas or ballerinas sleeping in, in, uh, in February. Um, I will introduce this wine to the next occasion when I, or, or you travel here. And by the way, what, uh, what it gives me a pleasure because uh, when you are working in a vineyard, when you are working uh, with the grapes, when you are squeezing the juice, when you are making a wine, uh, this is a process, a reminiscence uh, of your identity, of who you are, you know, of your ancestry, of your strengths, of your weakness. It's everything is there. I mean, it's a great philosophy. And I truly believe that winemaking is not just a winemaking. It's a, it's, it's a great philosophy. Yes, it's grounding. And, uh, it brings you back to your roots. It, it, it puts you in touch absolutely. with the real we world. Have, we, 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 just, we just produced um, a very unique um, variety for Georgia of grapes as a Malbec. We have a Malbec in Cajeti. In, in our vineyard, in, we produced Malbec in Quevery. So come over, taste the wine, which uh, you, you cannot taste anywhere else in the world because Malbec in Georgia in Quevery is produced only in the Chateau Lanina, which is our company. Well, I can't wait. Once again, Gela, thank you so much. What an extraordinary chat going all the way from Transcaucasian <laughs> unity to the glories of Quevery wine. 
thank you so much. You've been listening to the Caspian podcast from the Caspian Post. Thank you.